None of that implies comfort to me. That implies like, so tough, no panties today. (laughs) (laughs) So tough, no panties. Welcome to Pomegranates and Pitchforks. This is a true crime and horror podcast that brings true stories and not-so-true stories together in beautiful and disturbing harmony. I'm Alexandria Youngray with my lovely co-host, Sunshine Bolan. Hi, friends. Hi, friends. <laughs> it's friend time. I mean, at this point, if you're listening... Oh, yeah. Can I do some shout-outs real quick? Do some shout-outs. we got some lovely people. Love okay. lovely people. So right now, we have... Two Patreons. Woohoo! So obviously we have Miss Caroline, who is our beloved, lovely, supportive supporter from supporting him. Yes. And we have another friend, Gabrielle. Oh, really? Yeah. Who I also know, who I was talking to and was like, I'd love to meet Sunshine someday. So you have <laughs> several fans. Oh, yay. Oh, several. <laughs> one one becomes several. <laughs> well, no, it's not just uh, Gabrielle. It's also Anne really wants to meet you. Oh, how cute. And so Ooh. I was like, maybe the next time y'all are up, I'll just like drag Sunshine down. <laughs> Where's Anne from? Well, Anne's in Provo, but oh, okay. Gabrielle right now is in Arkansas. Arkansas. And then I set up a coffee this week, Mm -hmm. which is, it's kind of like Patreon, but it's a donate once kind of setup. Just like putting money in a coffee cup? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it's buy somebody a coffee. Okay. Definitely brings up the connotation of putting, to me, like putting money in a coffee cup. Yeah. It it specifically actually is buy them a coffee, Uh because I think that all donations are in increments of three. Oh, that's so funny. So you can buy a coffee- or two coffees. <laughs> oh, that's super hilarious. Yeah. That's kind that's, of cute. Uh, that's so perfect for us. Oh my gosh. It's very cute. It's very good. And I only set that up this week and like I was playing with the like set up your account, blah blah blah. And it was like tweet this. And so that's like the reason that I tweeted it. I think I tweeted it like at ten at night. It was not like optimal tweeting time or right. anything. I just was like messing with my account. The twitting hour. The twitting hour. <laughs> <laughs> But almost immediately, my friend from the Happy Go Lucky podcast, Daniel, Mm -hmm. who's the GM and dad extraordinaire, he bought us two coffees, although he wanted to make it known that he was buying us bourbons. (laughs) Aw, how sweet. (laughs) Not coffees, only bourbon. He's great. I love him. My voice totally Uh, cracked when I said aw. I'm a little embarrassed. (laughs) No, that just is like shows how real. That's how much I appreciate a bourbon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I said. I was like, I'm sure Sunshine will appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) And then also, was it, oh, it was just today, although their timing is different from ours. So we also got a donation or a coffee bought for us from, uh, his name is Brad. Uh He runs the Fade of Eisen podcast. Oh, hey, thanks, Brad. Yeah, they're, they're New Zealanders. Oh, that's great. (laughs) I don't know why. I don't know why that's great, but that's great. (laughs) I love New Zealanders. They're basically the Canada of Australia. Uh, uh, Okay, that makes sense. Like, you know how Florida is the Australia of the US? 
Okay. I never thought of Florida as being the Australia of the US. Everything there is trying to kill you. Yeah. They're like the friendlier Australia. Right. That makes sense. I'd buy that. There's something about the New Zealand accent. I've just got such a, like, my heart, man. <laughs> I I just love it so much. Like, there's a handful of ac- accents across the world. Like, I love accents. I'm yeah. always going to love accents from everywhere. Mm-hmm. But, like, New Zealand and, like, Scotland. Interesting. Scotland, huh? I know. It, they're totally different because, like, the New Zealand accent I love because it's, like, so pleasant and it's, like, almost calming. It's like, mm, yeah. yes, good. Yes. And the <laughs> Scottish accent, I kind of like because I have no idea what they're saying. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm the worst. I'm just scared off all of the people that have been willing and kind enough to donate. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, what the fuck, lady? <laughs> I'm gonna have to cut out like half of that. Yeah. But Last night, I, I had a hard day. So I decided to, I didn't do my dishes and I laid on my bed and watched Aquaman finally. Okay, fair. Because I was, I was like, Jason Momoa will fix this problem. Yeah, you stared at a beef man. Yeah, well, it was. That's it how was, you handle things. It was, it was helpful. It was really helpful. I enjoyed it. But the whole time, I was way confused every time they showed his dad, because like I couldn't understand what his accent was. Oh. I was, you know, he was one of those people whose like ethnicity was kind of hard to even make a guess at. But he had, like, darker skin, and I was like, I guess he looks like he could be, he almost looked like he could be Native American, he almost looked like he could be, and, like, whatever, it doesn't matter what he is, but I was trying to figure out how they were casting him, and it it kept almost sounding like he had an Irish accent. Like, he doesn't look Irish, and where they are doesn't look like Ireland. But it's almost what his accent is like, and I, I don't know, I was just kind of suspicious that maybe, because I wonder if it's a New Zealand, I wondered the whole time if it was, like, a New Zealand accent. Because I think that on other shows I've seen that take place in New Zealand, they can kind of have a Great British colony kind of sound. They do have a little bit and of so a And so I guess I could, see, I could see someone maybe potentially sounding a little bit Irish, but having a New Zealand yeah. accent. Oh, God. So I once attempted to play a New Zealander accented character. Really? I then gave up. Well, it's such a subtle accent that I was like, I can't. I'm going to give right. myself a Right. It seems subtle. It seems subtle. Yeah. It's kind of like if you mixed like proper English, British accent with like the australian accent right and the way that i can tell it's the way they say they're schwas the schwas yeah instead of the like eh noise it's an i so like brett is brit brit yeah yeah interesting that's i think that's like the best way that i can tell Hmm. well i will watch aquaman again and I'm sure you will. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely cheesier than like the other superhero movies that have been coming out. But does it make it less it's good? It's DC. No. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. I mean, it's comic book movies. Like Marvel set a high bar, but also that's not the only good. They set a high bar as far as production value, but that's not the only good comic book movie. Like yeah, comic book, also, like, comic book works well fine. as camp. Well, I mean, it's fucking comic books. Like, come on, man. Yeah, camp. That's how it used to be. Yeah, like. Until Marvel was like, what if we got an Oscar? <laughs> Until Marvel was like, what if we got an Oscar? Yeah, it's pretty much... And sometimes <laughs> I miss the camp. Like, I really loved... I know Batman is DC and not Marvel, but I really loved the old, like, you know, the 90s Batmans. I oh, loved yeah. those so much. And those... Oh, yeah. They were dark. They were done. But they were still, like, weird 90s, like, rave kid scenes and... You know, they were dark, but they were still campy as hell. Batman's fine. I love Batman's universe. Yeah. I love Batman villains. I love Batman villains. 
I think that they tried to kind of go back to that weird, like, punk, like, uh, rave scene feel with Suicide Squad, but it was, like, modern, like, weird EDM shit. I and think I didn't that, really honestly, play the well. place that they messed up was Jared Leto. You think so? I think that, I like, kind of do. I feel like yeah. a lot of people might disagree with you. I mean, there was a lot of things wrong with that film, but I think that the place that it really made its, like, oh god turn was Jared Leto. See, but also there was all this stuff when that movie came out where they cut, like, I don't know if you can make that assessment because they cut, like, something crazy. Like, my brother was saying, I mean, probably not 90%, but, like, a third of Jared Leto's lines and scenes were cut. It's because he was uh, so fucking crazy. Well, that's what it was, because they were so crazy, not because, like, because I was going to say well, maybe mean, that would affect why. Do you remember why. hearing all of this stuff about him? No, I don't. So that's the oh thing. Oh, my is... God. He, like, he, like, tried to get into the character. Oh, my God. And so... He, like, he sent a rat to one of his co-workers without, like, any concept of, like, how are we going to deal with this rat. So Guillermo del Toro actually ended up adopting it, but that was just a luck thing that was not having to do with anything. What? Okay. And he, like, he, like, sent used condoms to his co-workers. What? Yeah. Like, he got crazy. Like, gross crazy. This actually kind of ties into what we're going to be talking about. Oh, that's perfect, because definitely the Joker is the trickster. I think we should definitely... Yeah, well, that's exactly it. So, okay, 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 okay. We're starting on our series on why are clowns so fucking spooky? Why indeed? And I feel like that's such a mold over question when like thinking about like clowns and horror mm-hmm. because we're kind of used to this like bozo the clown 1960s friendly happy clown thing and yeah. we're like how did that become so corrupted but what i'm going to say this is my thesis for the whole damn podcast all right give me your thesis they've always been scary so okay okay yeah clowns have always been creepy clowns have never like, like the 1960s friendly clown was actually, like, a weird term. Like an anomaly. Yeah. Okay. Now, I think that clowns have kind of gone up and down. Like, I don't think they've always been, like, murderous villains. But I don't think that they've ever been, like, kid-friendly, family-friendly Right, like, truly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except for basically what we created them to be for, for a short time in, in Western cinema. You know, I think that I think that I'm, I'm excited to hear about this because that relates, I think, really well to what we were talking about before we started recording with different old fairy tales and how fucking grotesque they were and mentioning that Russian fairy tale book I have. For sure. And how, like, the morals in it are all very... They're not only are they kind of, like, <laughs> vaguely depressing morals, like, mm-hmm. don't, don't have too high of hopes and don't, you know, <laughs> like, that kind of stuff. <laughs> but they often... More Try not often to than, be too disappointed when your crops die and so your family dies of famine. Yeah, like, it, no, it seriously, is like, the morals are dark, but also the stories they tell to mm-hmm. convey those morals are dark as well. And uh, I think that that is something that has changed pretty, like, drastically over, you know, the course of the last, like, thousand years or so. Like, just children and family entertainment really did used to be so much more fucked up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so the idea that something that was, you know, something uh, that was a family tradition wouldn't necessarily be family friendly now. Mm-hmm. Or like that would be common for kids to like in a king's court, like the jester or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, That's exactly you know, we've it. gotten a lot. There's uh, dark shit is a lot less appropriate and palatable for people yeah. now. Yeah. And I mean, I'm going to get into all of those things like later in our series. Mm-hmm. This is kind of our our 
proto-vampire episode. It's our proto-clown episode. Proto-clown. Yeah. So we're Which is talk not to about, be confused like, with robo-clown. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about like some basic like clown stuffs, and mm-hmm. then we're gonna talk about the trickster, which I think is basically the dawn of that archetype. Awesome. Yeah. What I are guess, the clown? Yeah, I guess let's crack into it. So clowns are comedic performers that use eccentric physical behaviors, costumes, props, and makeup. So it's mostly physical comedy. Yeah. As their main expression of art. They do okay. make jokes sometimes, but sometimes they mime. Right. So the defining characteristic of a clown is the physical comedy. It's very physical. Okay. And the face makeup is particularly I- iconic. Like, yeah. the other things are also important. The The costume is important. The, the props and the behavior is important. But the mm-hmm. face is, like, particularly notable because the makeup is so stylized and excessive, and it's supposed to be kind of like a stage makeup. Yeah, like you remember doing theater, right? Because it's supposed to accentuate your. It's supposed to like exaggerate or accentuate your facial features, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah, yeah. Like you brought up doing theater exactly, mm-hmm. like you know, outlining things more, contouring things more heavily. Even if you're not trying to look like you're wearing a full face of makeup, but you need to like make the shading on your face yeah. more drastic. Well, I mean, and, like, you remember in theater when you were doing, like, a basic show, if somebody was, like, playing, like, a little hobo child, you Mm -hmm. still put, like, a face full of makeup on them. You just also put some dirt on their cheeks. Yeah. You know? And you put on, like, a lot of makeup. Like, you get up close to them and you're like, are you coming on to me, sir? Are you coming on to me, sir? (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, basically the whole idea of the clown makeup is that it is supposed to be, like, an exaggeration of expression so that you can show your expressions more. Effectively over, like, Mm -hmm. a long distance and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because basically, like, the clowns that we know today are pretty pretty modernized. And I think Mm -hmm. that, like, the the real solidification of the face makeup happened in the circus when there were three rings and an entire tent full of people. Right. So everyone needed to be able to see them. Everybody needed to be able to see them. And so this big, big expression was supposed to show their expressions. Right. You know? Again, to emphasize it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was supposed to be. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's also really common that the makeup actually causes an opposite effect where... Where it distorts what their facial expression actually Mm -hmm. is. So they have like a large painted smile or a large painted frown. It makes it so that the expression appears fixed. And Mm -hmm. so you can't actually read the true expression under the makeup. Right. I, I, that's, and that, you know, that's something that I've never really thought of. I, I, well, I haven't really spent time thinking about this, but I definitely, uh, that's something I wanted to bring up earlier was how when I was a kid, clowns would make me uncomfortable but I don't think I was really exposed, except for like you know tangentially, to any real like clown media. Like there wasn't like I didn't watch scary clown movies or anything when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. But definitely clowns made me uncomfortable, and I think that's a lot to do with what it was. Is I didn't like not being able to see someone's face or not read their expressions. Yeah. Like that in and of itself is very unsettling, even if you're not conscious of why. It's just like oh. They're, like, smiling, yeah. but their face is frowning, or their real face is frowning, but they're painted on faces smiling. Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. This is so unsettling. 
Yeah, and we'll definitely get into that more later. Yeah, I spent a lot of time thinking about this as well, because, I don't know, clowns have always seemed kind of, like, weird to me. They're, like, kind of creepy, but they're mostly just weird. I'm not a fan. Yeah, I would agree and with that. And I always thought that people who had, like, clown fears were just, like, I don't know, edgy teenage girls trying right. to be different. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think that's fairly, I don't know. I, I don't think that's particularly uncommon. I think a lot of times when people say I'm afraid of clowns, they mean that clowns make them uncomfortable the way yeah. I think a lot of people feel about clowns. Yeah. They don't, but, see, I don't see a clown and go, oh, fuck, that's scary. Yeah. I did recently meet somebody who is afraid of clowns to the extent that when I talked to this person about us doing this episode, mm-hmm. we actually kind of had a tiff. Really? Interesting. Yeah. You know, apparently a proper fear of clowns is a real thing, which kind of makes sense because a proper fear of literally anything is a real thing. Right. I definitely don't discount the idea that someone could have a general phobia of clowns, but I do think it's also a very, it is a very like catchy and edgy and whatever. Like Uh I could definitely see somebody just trying to get acceptance or whatever or fit in or be cool. By being like, oh, I'm afraid of clowns. Yeah. yeah. I always struggled with the concept because haunted houses, like, always have clowns in them. Yeah. And I've always been like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know? But, I mean, obviously, they're scary enough that they are a regular reoccurring thing in scary things. Like, yeah. movies and haunted houses. And if somebody were to ask me what my, like, top ten, you know, scariest things or whatever are, I definitely don't think I would ever list a I clown. I would not list a clown. Um, but I do think, you know, <laughs> I was just, I'm I was just imagining. Also, I'm afraid of chainsaws. If I saw, like, a clown walking down my street here in Mighton, I would be really unsettled and, like, what the fuck and get nervous yeah. and my heart rate would go up. I know that. Okay, so we're going to get into that a little bit. Because, like, I've I spent a ton of time thinking about, like, why the fuck are clowns scary? Because it mm-hmm. doesn't make sense to me. So I've got some theories. Right, like we, I was just talking about, like, there's no logical reason in my mind where my heart rate should go up and I'd be uncomfortable, but I yeah. know that's what would happen. Yeah, so I've got I've got some ideas. Okay. <laughs> okay, so one, and, and also, like, this whole episode and episodes is going to be, like, why? Why are why? they scary? You mm-hmm. know, because it's not just, like, it is not just wow, people are so weird. Why do they think clowns are scary? It's also mm-hmm. like, clowns actually are kind of scary. Why are clowns scary? They're not supposed to be scary. Right. Not I think scary. that's why actually the main scary? focus, right? Is like, why yeah. are these scary? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, exactly. And so, yeah, I, I mean, this is a ton of what I was spent thinking about. And so this is basically the basic psychology. And then we're going to get into like some stories on why, Okay. you know? Mm-hmm. But like, so the fear of clowns is called cholrophobia. Although it's not officially recognized by the DSM. Interesting. Okay. That said, it is recognized as a childhood phobia in the DSM. It's just grouped under a fear of costumed characters. Okay. Which is a really, really common fear for toddlers and like young kids going through Mm -hmm. the fear of strangers phase. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So basically not being able to see the face, not being able to see the facial expression. Okay, I was talking about that, Not being able to that, recognize yeah. it as a basic human face yeah. is what's so scary, you know? Right. The, like, these yeah. kids are also grouped in with kids that are afraid of Mickey Mouse. Yeah. And Chuck E. Cheese. I don't know why I picked mouse people, but... 
<laughs> maybe mouse people make you uncomfortable and you're mouse just people make to... me uncomfortable and i'm just trying to hide it mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know it basically that kind of makes sense because it's like it kind of goes back with that whole makeup covering the the face yeah you know when you're at that phase when you're afraid of strangers and so you're afraid of masked or or costumed people you're also afraid of this face makeup that essentially covers well and i think too at that time you're you're aware of yourself aware enough and learning about you know just existence in other people enough that weird humanoid things that don't have human faces are unsettling right when we talk about like totally. mascots and stuff you're just like what the fuck like yeah i know yeah. this and is I mean, not like, what is like you know it, i could see that just being unsettling too yeah and i mean like weird humanoid things without faces are terrifying that is yeah. literally what slender man is right he's yeah. just a guy in a suit who's tall but doesn't have a face yeah, no face is creepy. That's or, literally the reason he's scary. Yeah, no face is creepy or just like weird, like, again, faces that you can't read that doesn't change or you can't read the facial expressions, like, all scary. Yeah, because a guy in a suit who is tall is just Doug Jones, <laughs> who who does play a lot of scary characters, but not as himself. He he does get a lot of prosthetics. <laughs> does get a lot of prosthetics. So um, this kind of brings up a couple of media examples that Mm -hmm. I know it's a little early for media examples, but it has to do with the like kid fear. So I'm bringing it in. Okay. So the first example, and this is my favorite thing ever. Mr. Rogers. What? Yes. So for this research, Mm -hmm. I watched an episode of Mr. Rogers. Okay. So I am fully rejuvenated and full of wholesome. Oh, awesome. Because Mr. Rogers likes you just the way you are. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Anyway, so Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood had an episode called A Day at the Circus. Okay. And the, I mean, the plot line is always very loose. It's mostly just like, Mr. Rogers wants to show you something. Yeah. That's the plot line. But, um, because it's a show for little kids. But... In the make-believe world where the, you know, the trolley goes through, Mm -hmm. Daniel Tiger is scared of costumed characters, especially clowns. Of course he is. Yeah. Poor Daniel Tiger. Poor Daniel Tiger. And so when Mr. Rogers goes to the circus, you know, he's talking about like, oh, some kids are scared of clowns. And honestly, I didn't remember this episode except for I remember talking to my mom about scary clowns and... Mm -hmm. And my mom brought up this episode of Mr. Rogers. So oh, that's great. Shout out to my mom. Shout out to my <laughs> for mom. For remembering this episode. But he specifically sits down with the clown, mm-hmm. chuckles the clown, before he puts his makeup on. Oh, I think I vaguely remember this. So that you can see that it's. Like a person, it's a guy. Yeah, and watching who then him put puts his makeup all of his on. makeup on, and then he's a clown. Yeah, and you know he's just talking to him and being friendly that whole time, so that he can kind of like help you get over the fear of clowns. No, that actually makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. to go over it that way too, because that's again exactly what I think is aside from any of the cultural stuff that we have going on. That is what's basically scary is that, like, why does that look different? What's going on? Oh my god! Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. Yeah, and kind of this fear that there's nothing under the face. 
Or that that is their face or like. Yeah. 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 Which brings me into my next media example, Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm -hmm. One of the characters is the clown with the tearaway face. Mm -hmm. And so that's. That's the thing. It is the childhood fear that that there's this terrifying, weird face of a clown. That like that, yeah, that friendly face makeup is hiding something. And that's scary. it. That's the damn face. Yeah. So, those were just some neat media examples that kind of reinforce this weird why are clowns scary? Yeah. And then I thought about this a little further, like a little deeper. And it kind of gets to the root of fear, of fear itself. Like, mm-hmm. what is fear? What causes fear? I was about to say something and I saw it on the outline, so I can't say it. <laughs> you can say it. You're gonna no, say... you I was going to say fear of the unknown. Like, yeah. that's exactly, it's like, well, duh, yeah, that's the, ba- that is, that obviously, yeah. of course, huh? That's the, yeah. that's the thing. And, and these two things kind of go hand in hand. You can't really have one without the other. We are afraid of unpredictability. Because we're afraid of the unknown. But we're afraid of the unknown because we're afraid of unpredictability. You know? Yeah. Which is a good survival instinct, but it can get a little bit complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When something is acting... Well, okay, so so that's exactly what I have in my outline. When somebody is (laughs) acting crazy, when somebody is acting outside of the norm, when somebody is violating social norms, that scares us because we don't know what they're going to do. Right, which is a safety concern, really. Yeah. Like, ba- I, mean, I mean, on a really basic level, that's to say, mm-hmm. if we don't know what they're going to do, like, we're, you know, we're communal pe- creatures. Mm-hmm. And so if there's one acting unpredictably, that compromises your safety. Yeah. In yeah. a number of I ways, mean, like, potentially. You know, like, if you have an animal that is behaving outside of the way that an animal like that normally behaves, then you're afraid that it's rabid, right? Yeah. Or, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, let's say in just, like, an interpersonal way, like... I am a very, very loud person. So when I start yelling and getting hot-headed and screaming about weird shit, I think most people don't think it's that weird. People are pretty used to that. But, like, let's say that we have one of those really timid, really soft-spoken, really friendly, really nice, never says anything bad, and they start acting like me. They start getting really loud and hot-headed. You're like, oh, shit, they're angry. They're going to do something crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, because they're breaking their own social norms. Yeah. And the reason that's scary is because of the unpredictability. Yeah. And the reason clowns are scary is because clowns intentionally break societal norms. Right, that's, their, that's their whole thing. That's their whole bag. That's the whole idea. Clowns, like, especially if you get into, like, the historical purpose of clowns and where mm-hmm. we're going to get into with the role of the trickster, mm-hmm. they shine a funhouse mirror back on society. Yeah. And makes us look at our society in, like, this, like, you know, yeah. they're like, it, it's dark humor. It's like, ah ha ha, we're making fun of you. Right, and once again, dark humor. Dark being the yeah. operative word there, right? Like, mm-hmm. they're not supposed to be fluffy. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's it's very, like... I mean, I don't want to say it's not kid-friendly because kids can handle their shit, but it's not 1960s kids can handle family their shit. friendly, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, like, you know, kids can recognize injustices and, and you know. I, I think. You can teach kids that, like, being racist is bad. That's probably a good thing. Yeah. No, I definitely <laughs> think to a point you're right, for sure. Yeah. But, like, you know, it's not 1960s family-friendly where everything is is 
popcorn popping on the apricot tree. Popcorn popping on the apricot tree? I don't know. That was just a weird Sunday song that I used to sing oh. as a child. I thought you were I having a stroke. Out the window and what did I see? Popcorn popping on the apricot tree. It's the it's the apricot blooms. Oh, okay, that makes sense. I definitely yeah. have never heard that at all before. Oh, okay. Because I was fortunate I to, to go sing. to less church than a lot of people. It wasn't really a church song so much as just a song my mom taught me. Oh, okay. That I sang around the same age that I was singing, Jesus Wants Me for a Sunbeam. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I definitely <laughs> thought for a second that you were having a stroke, though. I was just like, what? Popcorn on the apricot tree? I don't... <laughs> I smell toast! <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, blah, 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 dark humor. Yeah. Yeah intentionally breaking societal norms that's right which thing. is i think a necessary thing but it is unsettling oh, yeah, no and the i think almost being type is so important well and i think being unsettled is necessary mm-hmm. you know yeah. like you I mean, need that reverse that i love horror yeah it's that whole horror is always political thing right exactly i like i think that there's a lot of things that I like about horror, but one of the things that I really like about horror is that it does. It shows a funhouse mirror back on society. Mm-hmm. The reason we find these things fun or horrifying or whatever is usually something really fucked up about our own culture. Yeah, that's true. That that horror is showing us. Yeah, or reminding us or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, some of the best horror is a is a political statement on sexism or racism or classism or like there, there's so much i mean it's what we talked about in our zombie episodes we talk about this every time that's the plot yep. line of our damn fucking podcast yep yep <laughs> it is isn't it <laughs> that's the plot line that's the reason we mention politics in our intro right it's, or in our description in our description yeah that's very true because because horror is inherently political and Ergo, tomfoolery is inherently political. Yeah. Or not tomfoolery, but uh, jesterly behavior. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why it's horrifying, is because it, it's the same concept. Right, the same thing the that makes it funny theater. is the same thing that makes it potentially terrifying. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, I love a good horror comedy. I love a good black comedy. <laughs> you know, yep. it's all in that same line. And so it, it kind of makes sense as to why it's very easy to just, just like, inch over you know Mm -hmm. so that gets us to our archetype of the trickster which is where we always start we always start with the ancientest of histories and this is the ancientest of histories because this is oral tradition of every culture you know worldwide so so i got this definition from encyclopedia britannica because that's what's up so the trickster is usually an anthropomorphized animal usually sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just a person but usually it's anthropomorphized animal okay who has magical powers and who is characterized as a compendium of opposites compendium of opposites i like that so they are both wise in that they're like pointing out all of these things and the like all these fucked up things in society that like they right but they're able to point out the fool Right, because aren't they able to point out those things because of their foolish behavior? Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. And they are both creators and destroyers. They live and create both order and chaos. 
Yeah. Okay, cool. That's the whole idea of the trickster is to like live in this opposites world. Well, and just like tricksters, I'm sure you're going to bring up, they, um, they do use, they, you, they create order or contribute to or reinforce the necessary components of the order of a society by acting outside of them. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like, a, this is, you know, this is why we don't do this. Hey, watch. Yeah. And I think usually it's, I think usually the most important characteristic of the trickster is they have this weird mixture of like cunning, cleverness, intelligence, and like kind of this like doofus-ish childlike idiocy. Right, but that almost seems like it's kind of a facade. It really depends. It depends on which, you know, which version of the trickster we're looking at. Right. Well, and that's something, too, is I think that there's I've read stories that sometimes show. Well, I I don't know. I feel like a lot of uh, mythos just kind of show tricksters as they're not really uh, benevolent or malevolent, 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 malevolent. There we go. Damn. Malicious. Malicious. That's what I meant. Uh, Fuck. I just can't. Maleficent. (laughs) <laughs> maleficent they're not inherently malignant or maleficent <laughs> um i guess the, the more succinct way to put that would be chaotic neutral i feel like they're not inherently yeah. bad i think that's the thing about the trickster archetype is they're not inherently bad and that's adds to the confusion mm-hmm. once again and i think that at this point clowns are definitely i think more often interpreted as um is uh, bad but that like when you hear the trickster story, especially the oral traditions, when you hear the trickster stories, they do seem to be like, they go back, especially when you hear a lot of different stories, you're like, oh, it goes back and forth. Like this character, mm-hmm. they're being self-serving in this story. And in this story, they're fucking this person over, but they're still really helping them overcome a major problem. So like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah. it's they never seem and to it, be intentionally malicious for the most mm-hmm. part. And it, and it really does depend on the area. Yeah. Um, that you're getting the story from. So I have a couple of examples, but so, so like where we're from in our like southwestern part of America, mm-hmm. we're not really south, but like we're on, we're just above New Mexico, which means a lot of our native culture is southern Utah, yeah. northern New Mexico, like Four Corners area. Yeah. That's a lot of our native knowledge is Navajo. Yeah. Well, also, but it's you- also like, a whole bunch of southwestern U.S. and like northern Mexico, right? Yeah, is the coyote. Well, that's yeah. I think that also might be a Ute thing as well, which is oh northern. oh. Well, it's definitely not just Navajo. Yeah. But when I'm talking about like Four Corners, yeah, I just that's the, uh, the coyote. Yeah, I mean, like we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying we have coyote. I'm pretty sure not only are coyote uh, prevalent in this region farther north, mm-hmm. but also I think that that's part of the mythos of the natives from farther north as well. Oh yeah. Well, and I was looking up, I was looking up a bunch of these different archetypes, mm-hmm. and the coyote actually has different renditions of itself as the trickster, depending on which tribe you're going to. Yeah. And so, like, the Navajo, the Navajo have a different coyote than the Utes, have a different coyote than the Sioux. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, it is a very common, Basically just to this area. Rocky yeah. Mountains, the desert. The west. Part of America. Yeah. Yep. But not the northwest. The northwest have their have the raven. Actually, oh, okay. For the most part. Yeah, okay. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember. Yeah. And and so that's why I say southwest. But right. it's more like mid to southwest. Not north. Not, not north. northwest. Not northwest. 
so we've got Coyote. Other tricksters are Raven, which is really, really close to Coyote. Mm-hmm. Um, in Africa, there's the spider. And I'm talking about a part of Africa. Oh, okay. There, there's a few African examples that I have. But um, Anansi is a specific example uh-huh. of a spider god who is the trickster god. And mm-hmm. there's even like a Neil Gaiman book that's called like Anansi Boys that's about that whole steez. Oh, cool. So... I love Neil Gaiman. If you want yeah. a recommendation, <laughs> I yes, yes. Since we great. love giving book recommendations, I from love this book podcast. I, I, you know, I need to add more to my collection already. So I'll get some Gaiman. I love Gaiman. There's add also Gaiman the hare or the rabbit, mm-hmm. depending on who you're talking about. And mm-hmm. amusingly enough, there's also the tortoise. The tortoise. I would never consider a tortoise to be an archetype of a trickster. I know. Well, that's because usually in like Western, like European lore, the tortoise is like this wisdom. Right. Slow and wise. Mm-hmm. And old. But in, I think it's West African lore, mm-hmm. we've got the tortoise and it is, and it is such a bitch trickster. Really? It is specifically just self-serving. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Like manipulative. I know. It is so funny. Especially because like the hair is alf- also a common it's like an indian and african mm-hmm. trickster and so you've got the tortoise and the hare story yeah they're both tricksters they're both <laughs> tricksters don't trust I think that's them it's just really funny so i don't know do you have any good coyote stories because i was raised on them but i forget like all of them so the only one that i remember and it's it's not a great it's a it's a vague recollection to to, to preface this Uh, When I was a kid, my mom got really into doing like sweat lodges with uh, sweat lodge ceremonies with this group that was kind of a hodgepodge of different Native Americans, uh, different tribes from some were like a lot of them were Lakota Sioux, but a few of them were from uh, a lot farther south uh, on the border of Mexico and actually into Mexico. And I don't really know what their tribal affiliation would be, but it was definitely a big mixed group. Anyway, um, at that time. Um, I was going to Montessori school and my mom worked there. And anyway, it was, it was this thing where we were able to do this really cool field trip where they did a, uh, one, the chief, oh, I remember this story. the okay, chief cool, cool. that usually did, um, that would run the ceremonies that my mom would take part in. He was like super down for running a kid's sweat. And it was cool because it didn't feel like shitty or culturally appropriate. It was definitely just like a well, common because ex- it was the dude. Doing yeah. He was thing. like, Hey, come and experience this cool thing and learn about it and so he did we all went on a on my private school we all went on a field trip and we did the full like sweat lodge ceremony and of course well it wasn't it was a kid's version so like the rounds weren't as long the rounds weren't as long the rocks weren't as hot yeah (laughs) the door stayed open more but he did he took us in there and he taught us about the sweet grass and he you know the rocks and how you give them water and like the you know the respectful way to do everything and then while we sat in there and, you know, you sit up straight and you breathe the steam and, you know, the person leading the ceremony does traditional chants or words of wisdom or whatever. But for us, he told us stories and Aww. one of the stories it was for kids, cause it's kids, right? And that makes sense, actually. Like, I'm sure, yeah. I don't know. Well, like, it's that's you yourself. Well, and that's the thing is you, that's how it works with kids. Like you tell, like adults taking pl- practicing practicing ceremony you can sort of be more straight up spiritual with them but with kids you you tell stories you use parables 
Yeah. Right? You want to impart yeah. wisdom and you want to help kids relax and process their shit, you tell them stories. Yeah. Um, it's it's just the age-appropriate thing to yeah. do the thing. Yeah. So one of the stories he told us that ended up being kind of funny was uh, a coyote story. And this guy was a really funny, like, chieftain in the first place. He's just very... He, he almost sometimes seemed to exemplify coyote. Because he had kind of, like... <laughs> he had, like, wiry gray hair. And he had, like, more pronounced canines. And he... You know how sometimes when people are athletic, they almost have, like... Like, when they're skinny but athletic, they almost kind of have more of, like, a hunch to them naturally. Like, they're okay, sure. always tucked in and ready to go, you know? <laughs> and he was kind of like that and had uh, Sundance scars all over his chest. So that kind of made him look oh, kind of haggard. Or Skydance. Sun- no, Sundance. That's the one with the eagle claws and the hanging from the uh, ropes. Uh, anyway, so he's in there with us and telling us the coyote story. And I forget why, but the, the gist of it is that coyote for some reason, had to get up to the stars. He had to get up to the stars. And the only way he could figure out how to get up was to get a ride with Spider. And so Spider, she agreed to take him, and she's climbing up up under the stars, and he's following behind her on her silk thread. And like the not thinking, just speaking jerk face that he is... Coyote just looked up at her and started get talking smack about how big her butt was. <laughs> Basically, like, oh my nice. god, like that that is the biggest ass I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> you know, really going off and and she turns around and she just that's not my butt, that's my abdomen, and cuts the thread and coyote falls to the ground. And um man, for a, a sweat lodge full of like ten year olds, that jo- that story killed. Like oh, the, I'm sure. the, the, that's not my butt. That's my abdomen. Was just like it, it was just laughter from everyone. I, I love that, <laughs> and I definitely don't do it justice. But yeah, well, uh, I mean, like, I don't stories know are really what good the for moral kids. Is I don't know what the moral maybe is don't either. Talk smack on women. Uh, yeah, I felt like that's kind of when he told the story, even as a kid. Like this is all a <laughs> body very long time positivity. Ago. Yeah, it was a very long time ago. But it did it was kind of like I did recognize that even as a kid. I was like, wait. Okay, but what are we supposed to learn from that? Like, uh, okay, yes, that's funny. Ha ha! Don't talk smack on ladies' backsides, which yeah, is a I'm good. Going, that's I'm a good enough body positivity. That's a good enough moral. <laughs> Just, yeah. I think it was pretty much don't be a shit talker. Really, oh, is the moral okay, that does kind of make sense? Like, just because uh, you know. Yeah. Talking shit can kinda get you in trouble. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. Yeah. Don't talk shit on the spider who's providing you rope to the sky yeah yeah i i honestly i remember that coyote in at least one story is like the person that brings fire to humanity right and that that does i think that does happen maybe i'm wrong but i think that you're right and that does happen and that's kind of what i was meaning before about them being not inherently a few stories you know yeah (laughs) Um, I think there's also a story where Coyote, like, discovers horses, creates mm-hmm. horses, something like that. Right. There's but, a lot of times when it's really beneficial for people, like, in the, in the mythology to come in contact with the trickster gods or the tricksters in general. Like, it's not necessarily what they want, but something positive will come out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and Coyote's, like, a really complicated one because... 
I mean, like I said, it is a really, really long cross all over America. Yeah. As far as like, you know, California to Great Basin to Southern Southern, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's a huge chunk of tribes all telling coyote stories. Yeah. So, you know, different coyote stories have different purposes and all that jazz. But coyote is kind of like a really, really common trickster for us. Yeah. Um, then, so this I love, the Africa tortoise stories. Mm-hmm. The, oh, God, I, I think it's West Africa. Mm-hmm. So I have a couple of, of tortoise stories. So the way that tortoise gets a house Mm-hmm. is he he doesn't have money for a house so he pretends to he he basically does the producer's thing where he gets a bunch of money on loan and then promises mm-hmm. everybody he'll pay him back and he gets like he gets some money from the worm and he gets some money from the rooster etc cetera, etc cetera, right yeah. and then he builds his house and then everybody comes over and what happens is Worm comes over first mm-hmm. and he says, okay, cool. I just, my money's in my bedroom. I just got to go upstairs. And because he's a tortoise, he's taking his sweet ass time. And then Rooster knocks on the door. Mm-hmm. And Tortoise is like, oh, come on in. Hi, Rooster. I just need to get the money from the field. Come on in. And then Rooster eats the worm. Of and course. And then Panther comes to the door. And, and eats Rooster. And Tortoise is like, oh, hey, come on in. I just need to get my money from the field. And then Human comes to the door. And Human, man, whatever. And uh, I mean, Tortoise is like, mean. oh, I'll just, uh, I'll just go to the field. That's where my money is. And then, of course, the Human and the Panther kill each other. That makes sense because you know By I saw th- I saw this coming and I was like, well, either way, human or the panther, I don't think he'd want to face either of those. But of course, mm-hmm. the human and the panther murder each other because yep. yeah, because they're you know how convenient for like, turtle. Panther kind of gores the human to death, but the human gets a like killing blow on the panther before he dies. Yeah, that makes perfect you sense. Know. That would totally happen. And so that's how he gets his house. And then to get money, he makes a deal with pig. And says, uh, he he talks to Pig. I probably should have written these stories out instead of just remembering off the top of my head. But you guys get to hear me telling a story the way I would if I was just actually talking to Sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> so he he makes a business with Pig. And it's a, we're going to till your land. We're going to harvest your crops. It's a, we'll, we'll be farmers for you. Okay. Work hands. And he... He goes to work with Pig, and he keeps running off for bathroom breaks that take, like, 30 minutes, an hour, and Pig's like, what the fuck? But, you know, he comes back, and he works a little bit and pretends to be super exhausted, and then Pig's like, okay, it's time for my break. I'm gonna go take an actual break, you fucking lazy bitch. <laughs> but then the queen comes, and and Tortoise is like, oh, yeah, uh, I'm just working so hard, and Pig's been so lazy. Pig's been so lazy. Pig's been so lazy. And I've I've just been working super hard. And, you know, I just appreciate this opportunity, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, here's lunch for the day. And since Pig isn't pulling his fair share, I'll give you two thirds of the lunch. And he can get this one third. Oh. 
and turtle or tortoise keeps you know he he eats the food that was given to him real super quick and then when pig comes back he says yep this is our lunch and pig's like this which is a third of the food <laughs> and and tortoise is like yep this is all she gave us for the both of us oh what a fucker and so pig shares that one third with oh Tur- god with tortoise so tortoise gets most of the food and then when they get paid tortoise takes 20% off the top because he's like the the head of the business mm-hmm. and then splits the last eight silver and so they each get four silver tortoise yeah. gets six but you know yeah. pig gets four silver and Pig's like, all right, I'm going to go grab myself some food because I'm fucking exhausted. And that was not enough food for an actual hard day's work. And Tortoise is like, hey, can I borrow your fair, your your share of <gasps> the earnings? I need to buy my wife a dress because she is pissed. And I'd say you could, you know, come over and like get the money from me but my wife is really mad and i don't think that it's a really good idea so that's kind of why i was thinking maybe i could just borrow your money buy a dress on the way home give my wife a dress she'll be happy then you can come over and pig's like yeah sure i'm a nice guy and you're my business partner and tortoise says okay cool and then he goes home and has the money blah 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 right Mm mm-hmm and then Pe- Pig keeps coming over and being like, hey, where's my money? And Turtle keeps not being there, uh-huh. quote unquote. Like, tells his wife, tell her, tell him I'm sick. Yeah, I'm not here. And eventually, Tortoise, I think he he covers himself in mud or something and says, just pretend I'm your cutting block. And when Pig comes over... I'm sick. That's all you gotta say. You're making you're making medicinal herb something something to yeah. get me better. And I'm just gonna pretend to be your cutting block so Pig can't find me. How weird. And Pig comes over and is like, Where's my damn money, bitch? And, money. and Tortoise is like or the wife is like, Oh, Tortoise is sick. I'm so sorry. I'm just I'm just making these herbs. And Pig's like, I'm not going to go until he shows up and gives me my money. And so she just starts ignoring him. Mm-hmm. And he gets mad. And so he flings her cutting board out of the window and into the mud. Oh. And she's like, oh, fuck. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> and Tortoise comes in, like, on a crutch, all covered in, in dirt, and is like, oh, I'm just so sick. Oh, it's good to see you. Honey, I've got I've got the money for you right now. Where's our cutting board? Where's our cutting board? Because he'd been hiding the money in the cutting board. Oh, of course, of course. The That's why he's hiding the money's in the cutting block. And the pig and pig's like, ah, fuck. And um, you know, they go out and they search in the mud for the cutting block, and they just can't find it. And Pig is like, I am so sorry that I lost all of your money. I am so sorry. And Tortoise is like, you know what, man? It's cool. It's fine. It's cool. We're cool. It's fine. And Pig goes home being like, oh, man, I'm so relieved that I have such a cool friend. (laughs) Oh, God, that's so fucked up. 
Yep. All of the tortoise stories are like, you bitch. <laughs> and so there's no moral. It's not like it turns around and bites tortoise in the ass. So is the moral no, like... No, there's no moral. It's just like, it's just like tortoise is a fucking lazy bitch animal. And I think the just, idea like, is don't that trust he's things so like slow, tortoise. And I mean, you know, they're, they're, uh, they sunbathe for their heat. Yeah. And so, you know, oh, they're just lazy it's what is it grasshopper and the squirrel grasshopper and the ant no. it's grasshopper and the squirrel where you know grasshopper spends all summer just lounging about while squirrel like is hiding away food for the mm-hmm. winter it's basically that only there's no moral tortoise just gets his you know happy ending yeah i think i mean i think everybody. that there is a moral to watch out for the tortoise like don't yeah it's trust tortoise, tortoise people don't trust tortoise. Yeah, no, it's just super funny that that tortoise is just such a bitch. <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. So, so now I have a really cool trickster. Okay. So, hare slash rabbit gets a really neat story when you get into the Americas mm-hmm. because what happens is you get the Southern Native American stories mm-hmm. mixed with the enslaved African stories to create the new trickster. Yeah, that's so So cool. remember how we got the zombie that was specifically very, very Haitian? Mm-hmm. The voodoo is very, very Haitian and Creole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hare, specifically Br'er Rabbit. Br'er is- Rabbit. Is Cree is is a is a Creole creation. So this is cool because I actually have I have to read. There's some. It's not Br'er Rabbit and the Tar Baby, but there's Br'er. Oh, that is not a good word. (laughs) Yeah, no, you've never read that book. That was a book that was around when I was a kid. Uh, Boy, that's a bad. Yeah, bad. In the book, he really does make like a baby out of tar, but I'm sure it's an allusion to some racist shit. But well, I mean, um, that's a racial slur. Yeah, I know. That's I know. But I'm I'm saying that like literally the children's it, it book. It's not is. like it's not like right. there's a black child that they're calling a tar baby, which I know is what they're alluding to. But I'm just saying in the book, right. it's like he makes a. Right. It's he makes he. I forget he's tricking somebody. It's it, the story. This was one of those things. that was like a kids book that I had, but also was like one of those like um, uncle tom's cabin zippity doo dah like mm-hmm. disney production thing as well there's a oh. short cartoon of it well and I mean, he so bear rabbit like tricks um i forget why but he builds a tar baby and he tricks someone his foe into like he makes it look like the tar baby like he actually says a bunch of mean shit but he makes it look like the tar baby is taunting this guy and then he like punches it because he's like you can't talk to me like that and like and then like gets stuck in it and it's this whole mess um but anyway i, I have... feel like i do kind of remember that and i just didn't know that that was such an intense racial slur at the oh, time yes yes i know <laughs> yeah i love the i love the super problematic shit that we were raised on without knowing it but but yeah oh yeah so blah 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 outside of even just like race relations yeah bro rabbit so Br'er Rabbit actually makes a lot of sense if you think about the character himself, mm-hmm. because Br'er Rabbit is this like small, weak character, so he's sympathetic. Yeah. And the folks who are his like opposition are much larger. They're Br'er Fox, right. Br'er Wolf, so they're not intimidated by him. And so he has to rely on cunning to outsmart them, which is. <sighs> 
it makes sense because it's a story about not having the physical strength mm-hmm. to rise up against your oppressors, but still being able to outsmart yeah. and and beat your oppressors. Mm-hmm. And it's like coming from the Black South. Right. Yeah. yeah. That That's a valuable story a, to perpetuate. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you kind of get this mix of tortoise and coyote. Right, the character. which makes total sense as well. Because you've got the Southern Native Americans mm-hmm. and Western Africans yeah. mixing their lore, which is just really neat. Yes, that's super neat. So, I just love, I just love tricksters. I just love I tricksters. They're so nice. I just love them. Except for Tortoise. Tortoise is a bitch. <laughs> Tortoise is a bitch. I didn't find anything Tortoise endearing about Tortoise. Like, I didn't he is like not that. endearing. He's just a dick. He eventually ends up leaving his wife for the princess. Cause the one who fucking covered his ass when when he was a cutting board pig came looking for money. <laughs> I covered your ass like, when you're a cutting board. Wow, you are such a bitch. But yeah, then there's also so those are like the anthropomorphized um, tricksters. Mm-hmm. Then you got like the like human, just well, not just human. There's a lot of can transform into animals but i think that's just sort of an ancient god thing yeah but you know more generally seen in human shape yes there we go uh gods that are trickster gods who kind of lead us back into clowns Mm -hmm. again this is like the proto clown episode where sometimes we stray the fuck away from clowns and sometimes we kind of circle back back. (laughs) yeah so, like, Maui, mm-hmm. who is, like, Maui as in Moana Maui. Right, right, right. Is the trickster god of, like, the Oceania, Oceania region. Okay. So, I think just a general... I think that just means, like, generic Polynesian right. area. Like, Hawaii Maui. and all those, like, the Easter Islands and all that. Samoa. Okay. Tonga. I think, I think Australia... And like New Zealand are also. I Oceana. thought that they counted as that as well. I just didn't. I wasn't. And I for know sure. that there's some like indigenous people in those areas that would be considered Polynesian. I think. Oh God! I don't I'm know. Being racist? Is this Alex B. Racist episode? No, I don't think so. I think this is I'm very sorry. Alex just trying, trying to figure out where people are from <laughs> episode. That's all. But oh yeah, so so then some other examples are like Loki mm-hmm. from Norse mythology. Pan is somebody that you brought up. Who's total trickster god? Super tricky. Yeah, and you know you've got you've got some like animal transformation shit in there. Well, because oftentimes like, too, Pan is a satyr. Yeah, oftentimes Pan's a satyr, and Loki's always transforming into shit. As North all Norse time. gods are wont to do, As sometimes Norse just for the purpose of fucking. Just for just for the fuck fucking of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, same with Greek gods. Let's be real. Instead of just for funsies, it's just for fucksies. It's just for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, like it's like Zeus's tagline. Zeus. Yep. Yep. Which I know well, is not the same region at all, but that's what it made me think of. Well, Zeus is Greek. Yeah, but we said Norse. Pan. Oh, yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. Pan is Greek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. But, like, you know, that's that's kind of where you bring the anthropomorphic animal stuff yeah into the harlequin kind of stuff okay yeah yeah, yeah. the jester stuff mm-hmm. 
and and that kind of brings it back around to to clowns to clowns oh so. clowns you scary so that's bastards our that's our do that was a lovely do to do we do it an episode dumb diddy do do it diddly do dumb diddy dude oh my god i am on one tonight I'm so sorry for how weird this episode's gonna gonna be. I think a little weirdness <laughs> is all right. It's a good palate okay. cleanser between uh, depressing, atro- yeah, between depressing atrocities and things. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, I think I think is that it. I think is that's that it? it. I think we should do outros, and I should go eat some goddamn pizza. All right. Um. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks to all of the awesome people that have donated to us thanks for all of the people that leave um ratings or reviews on whatever thing that they are leaving ratings and reviews on whichever platform whichever thing however you're communicating with us thank you yes thanks thanks for everybody who who is is nice and good and buying us coffees and and bourbons and contributing to patreon all of those are beautiful things all of those are beautiful things. And and we love you. And you can follow us on the social medias. We are at Palm Pitch Pod for everything. And you can join us on the Podcast Junkie Discord server. There is a page for our podcast, which is lovely and also lovely. And it us. That me. We did the thing. <laughs> uh sorry i'm distracted i think my dog is hunting a moth i i was got way confused i apologize that's okay i wasn't paying attention did i say everything i think you said everything <laughs> <laughs> all right well i guess that's it then yep that's it okay cool. thanks everyone okay love you bye love you bye <laughs>